Hello, and welcome to the September's Fellows' Choice Articles from the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. My name is Navia Nair. And I'm Sadie Jones. Here we will summarise the key points from the lead articles in this month's issue of the journal, which include results from the SUCOR study, topics related to staging strategies in locally advanced cervical cancer, conservative management of complex atypical hyperplasia, immunohistochemistry and endometrial cancer, laparoscopic versus open radical hysterectomy in cervical cancer and more. Our featured article this month is by Luis Chiva et al, who have published findings from the SUCOR study, an international European cohort observational study comparing minimally invasive surgery versus open abdominal radical hysterectomy in patients with stage 1b1 cervical cancer. This study evaluated disease-free survival at four and a half years, as well as the association between protective surgical manoeuvres and the risk of relapse. Data from 1,272 patients from January 2013 to December 2014 was analysed. The risk of recurrence for patients who underwent minimally invasive surgery was twice as high as that in the open surgery group, with a hazard ratio of 2.07. Similarly, the risk of death was 2.42 times higher than in the open surgery group. Patients that underwent minimally invasive surgery using a uterine manipulator had a 2.76 times higher hazard of relapse, and those without the use of a uterine manipulator had similar disease-free survival to the open surgery group. Moreover, patients that underwent minimally invasive surgery with protective vaginal closure had similar rates of relapse to those who underwent open surgery. Minimally invasive surgery in cervical cancer increased the risk of relapse and death compared with open surgery. In this study, avoiding the uterine manipulator and using manoeuvres to avoid tumour spread at the time of colpotomy in minimally invasive surgery was associated with similar outcomes to open surgery. Matthew Carroll et al. have published a study titled Evaluation of PARP and PDL1 as Potential Therapeutic Targets for Women with High-Grade Neuroendocrine Carcinomas of the Cervix. In this study, specimens from patients with high-grade neuroendocrine cervical carcinomas were identified from pathology files at MD Anderson Cancer Center. Immunohistochemical stains for PDL1, mismatch repair proteins, somatostatin, and PARP were performed on sections from formalin fixed paraffin embedded tissue blocks. All 28 samples tested demonstrated intact mismatch repair protein expression, suggesting that these are microsatellite stable tumors. Only two of the 25 pure high grade neuroendocrine carcinomas were PDL1 positive, whereas Three of the six mixed neuroendocrine carcinomas tested positive for PDL1. Of the 11 small cell carcinoma specimens tested, 10 demonstrated PARP1 expression. Somatostatin staining was negative in 18 of 19 small cell carcinoma cases. This study suggests that pure high grade neuroendocrine cervical carcinomas are microsatellite stable and overwhelmingly negative for PDL1 expression. As the majority of tumors tested expressed PARP1, inclusion of PARP inhibitors in future clinical trials may be considered. 
Junshen He et al. describe a comparison of laparoscopic and abdominal radical hysterectomy for early stage cervical cancer, oncologic outcomes based on tumor diameter. This multicenter retrospective study included 8,470 patients with early stage cervical cancer who underwent laparoscopic or abdominal radical hysterectomy between January 2004 and December 2016. Authors found that laparoscopic surgery was associated with significantly worse five-year disease-free survival, 89.5% versus 93.1%, but no difference in five-year overall survival, 94.3% versus 96.0%. In a subgroup analysis of patients with a tumor diameter of less than 2 cm, both five-year disease-free survival and overall survival were similar between the two groups. However, for patients with a tumor diameter of 2 to 4 cm, laparoscopic surgery was associated with poorer 5-year disease-free survival, but similar overall survival. Authors concluded that in patients with early cervical cancer, laparoscopic radical hysterectomy was associated with significantly poorer long-term oncological outcome, although in patients with tumors less than 2 cm, the 5-year overall survival and 5-year disease-free survival were similar. The next article is by Koji Matsuo et al. from the University of Southern California, Los Angeles. This article is titled, Root-Specific Association of Progestin Therapy and Concurrent Metformin Use in Obese Women with Complex Atypical Hyperplasia. In this single institution retrospective study, the effectiveness of concurrent metformin and progestin for the management of complex atypical hyperplasia was examined. Analyses were stratified by route of progestin administration as well as the concurrent use of metformin. The study consisted of 245 patients of whom 137 or 56% responded to progestin therapy overall. In the oral progestin group, the addition of metformin did not appear to provide a significant therapeutic advantage with response rates of 23.1 and 27.8% respectively. However, in those women in whom the progestin was delivered via an intrauterine device, the addition of metformin was associated with a significant therapeutic advantage, with response rates seen in 86.7% and 58.9% of patients respectively. They summarized that concurrent metformin may possibly offer treatment benefit when used with the levonorgestrel-releasing intrauterine device. Two randomized clinical trials, namely the LAP2 and LACE trials, have both showed that laparoscopic hysterectomy results in equivalent overall survival in comparison to open hysterectomy in patients with early-stage uterine cancer. However, neither trial used robotic surgery and both excluded stage 2 uterine cancer. Mary Catherine Abel et al. have investigated trends and survival outcomes of robotic, laparoscopic and open surgery for stage 2 uterine cancer. Using the American National Cancer Database from 2010 to 2015, the survival outcomes of 2,949 patients with stage 2 uterine cancer after open, laparoscopic and robotic hysterectomy were assessed. 44.3% underwent open hysterectomy, 
13.9% underwent laparoscopic hysterectomy and 41.8% underwent robotic hysterectomy. This study demonstrated that women with stage 2 uterine cancer have similar 5-year survival after minimally invasive surgery and open hysterectomy after adjusting for demographic, clinical pathologic and treatment factors. They also noticed that the use of minimally invasive surgery for stage 2 uterine cancer increased from 26.8% in 2010 to 48.3% in 2015 an annual percent change of 10.1%. In the next article, Chelsea Salyer and group from Kaiser Permanente, San Francisco, California, evaluate variation in physician-directed immunohistochemistry screening among women with endometrial cancer. Approximately 2-6% to of endometrial cancers are associated with Lynch syndrome, and immunohistochemistry screening is a reliable method for identifying women at risk. In this retrospective study of 1,399 patients, variation in performance of risk-based immunohistochemistry screening was investigated. With a physician-required order, immunohistochemistry screening rates were 20% overall and 34% for patients aged less than 60 years. This is significantly lower than previous reports. Asian and black women were less likely than their counterparts to get screened. Requiring a physician order for immunohistochemistry screening likely creates a barrier in screening uptake and therefore automated immunohistochemistry screening is recommended. Michelle Kuznicki et al. have published an article entitled Dual Antibiotic Prevention Bundle is Associated with Decreased Surgical Site Infections. This retrospective cohort study aimed to compare surgical site infection rates for patients undergoing hysterectomy for any indication over a one-year period surrounding the implementation of an institutional infection prevention bundle. The bundle included dual-agent antibiotic surgical prophylaxis with kefazolin and metronidazole. The primary outcome was surgical site infection and the secondary outcomes included length of stay, readmission rates, compliance measures, and infection microbiology. 358 patients were included. A 58% reduction in surgical site infection after hysterectomy was found after the introduction of kefazolin and metronidazole prophylaxis. This cohort also had significantly lower readmission rates compared to the pre-bundle cohort. The authors concluded that surgical site infection after hysterectomy is multimicrobial and likely benefits from dual antibiotic prophylaxis. The next article is by Alejandra Martinez et al. from the Institut Universitaire du Cancer de Toulouse. The article is titled, How Should We Stage and Tailor Treatment Strategy in Locally Advanced Cervical Cancer? Imaging versus para-aortic surgical staging. This review of the literature discovered that PET-CT scan, which is broadly accepted as the most accurate examination to assess para-aortic extension in patients with cervical cancer, fails to detect approximately 10 to 15% of patients who go on to have positive lymph node metastases on pathological staging. 
This is particularly important in light of the fact that 25 to 30% of patients with positive pelvic lymph nodes will have extension to the para-aortic lymph nodes. Accurate pathological staging allows for personalization of radiotherapy, ensuring that extended field therapy is delivered to those patients who are more likely to gain oncologic benefit and is not administered to those patients in whom the impact of potential toxicities would outweigh the benefits. Finally, Ronnie Niteki et al. present the LANCE trial, which evaluates laparoscopic cytoreduction after neoadjuvant chemotherapy. In this international, prospective, randomized, multi-center, non-inferiority phase 3 trial, the investigators aim to compare minimally invasive surgery to laparotomy in women with stage 3C or 4 high-grade epithelial ovarian, primary peritoneal, or fallopian tube carcinoma who have had a complete or partial response to neoadjuvant chemotherapy. The first 100 participants will be enrolled into a pilot lead-in to determine feasibility. The primary endpoint will be to demonstrate non-inferiority of disease-free survival. Secondary objectives include post-surgical quality of life, overall survival, surgical morbidity and mortality, intraoperative injuries, and the rate of minimally invasive debulking converted to laparotomy. Patients meeting eligibility requirements will be randomised in a one-to-one fashion. 549 patients will be randomised to achieve a margin of 33% in the hazard ratio. The adoption of minimally invasive interval debulking surgery is based on limited observational studies. The goal of the LANCE trial is to provide an assessment of the oncologic safety of the minimally invasive approach. This concludes September's Fellows Choice articles. We hope it's been useful. Please join us again next month.